Costco shares try to pick a direction after the trade over the past two months has bounced big time again. Let's bring in George, who not only watches the stock for Costco, but also has been doing on the ground foot research. You knew it was coming, George. This is what they call channel checks on the sell side of the industry. They do channel checks. George, you do a channel check there about every Saturday. I do, OG. I'm a frequent <laughs> shopper of the Costco, my good man. And uh, trust me, there's a lot of foot traffic as always, especially on Saturday. By the way, Friday afternoon, uh, about an hour and a half before close is probably the best time. People seem to not want to ah. go shopping uh, after work on Fridays. Good but call. anyhow, uh, overall, over, overall, the stock has uh, been sort of stuck, uh, to say the least, in the last uh, couple months ago, uh, months or so. But it looks like they came in ahead of expectations on uh, at least top line sales as well as bottom line revenues, which showed about a 19% increase on a year over year basis, uh, coming, th coming in about 44.3 billion versus the 40, 43.2 billion. So the, uh, the other thing is, is looking at the EPS came in about, about 50 cents higher than expected on a per share basis with a 45% increase on a year over year clip. Okay, so these are pretty good numbers, um, you know, good enough. I guess uh, in the aftermarket, no quick response downwards because this has been a really interesting one where it looked like maybe this was gonna get the post-quarantine fade as folks go back to normal life. But uh-uh, that big drop at the start of the year was a major head fake. And this thing's powered back now to records again. What do you make of that, George? It was, I think what happened is, is that initially at the beginning of the year, the Costco's of the world, the Walmarts and Targets even actually fell i think it was really based upon the reopening of the economy but everyone forgot that these are again core staple based businesses uh, when it comes down to of course what they sell and food and sundries about 40 percent for costco walmart sells a lot of food the other thing is, is the hard lines consumables uh core staples and again i think wall street really sort of missed that initially after the stock sold off and that was based upon the reopening of the economy because these companies were open the entire time during covid uh, and i think overall uh, they got a, a nice bid, and it was a nice opportunity, actually, especially in February, where uh, they got sold off these names like Costco and such, along with the other thematic technology names, but they bounced back significantly. Again, just looking at the chart, I mean, around the 390 area, you know, that, that seemed to be an area of resistance for Costco. That's where it actually hit back in November. Uh, we'll have to see how it trades in the morning. I didn't look at the same store sales, but their comp sales were expected about 16% year over year. And I suggest their comp sales relative to the same quarter last year are going to be very accurate because, again, like I said, these stores were open uh, mm -hmm. the entire time during COVID, and they were they were they were pretty full as well. Yeah, they were jamming, so they don't you know we don't have to necessarily go back to 2019 like the other retailers to get a fair look. Right. I mean, if anything, the 2021 might be uh, a tough comparable for them in many respects. So, uh, George, e-commerce has also uh, become more of a part of the business uh, where uh, they saw comp sales for e-commerce uh, up pretty big. And, uh, you know, that continues. But is that what this stock is about? Costco going more e-commerce or is this about subscription? Uh, you know, how do we kind of assess what trend is most important for whether or not this can continue? Uh, because if it's about subscription, I mean, these people aren't probably canceling now. If they signed up over the past year, they're going to stick around. 
No, they won't cancel OJ. And don't tell them I said this, but I, I'd be willing to pay a little bit more, to be honest with you. But at the end <laughs> of the day, membership fees, if you just think about this, they bolt on marginal revenue. They don't they don't bolt on marginal costs. It's basically free money. And so the membership fees, I didn't look at the number reported for the quarter. Expectations are about $874 million, And that's pretty substantial relative to the total uh, the, the total revenue base. And that's, again, it doesn't cost them money to uh, add those members. It actually just brings in marginal revenues. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is the, the total e-commerce sales number uh, as a percent of total sales is about 6%, very light still. They have a lot of room uh, to grow, a lot of e-commerce penetration. I will say this, that Costco, just from uh, my experience, was really behind when it comes down to what was available online for delivery, the time to delivery, and I think they're playing catch-up still in that area. Uh, the other thing is, is global sales, because if you look at the total, about 795 stores uh, globally, 86% of those are in North America, U.S., and Canada. They have a lot of international penetration left as well. So I suggest e-commerce and international sales are really growth drivers for the name. Uh, but it really comes down to volume, because if you look at the gross margins for the company, very thin. 13% and, and profit margins operational-wise, 2%. That's Walmart territory. So they rely on volume uh, and not necessarily pricing power, but, but certainly merchandise mix for Costco is always an important element. They're always changing up what they sell. Uh, but I think overall, you gotta look at their core business, which is still the, uh, the aspects of food and sundries, which is uh, over 40% of their business. All right, George, uh, a, a appropriately detailed and knowledgeable Analysis. Let's go over to Ulta. Uh, maybe not quite as many channel checks there, but I know you got to buy for Donners as well. So when you look at this, uh, $346, bucks, that's a nice pop on earnings and does revive a stock that had been range bound here. I mean, it looks like we're going for a high here. Yeah, this one actually surprised a little bit, but uh, if you look at what happened comp sales wise, I mean they were expected 39. It looks like uh, it looks like they came in around 66. percent So that was a huge difference for Ulta. I think one of the things that keep, people have to remember, like Costco, there's sort of a loyalty, and in fact, uh, Ulta Brands or Ulta Beauty is actually one of these uh, uh, better better of breed when it comes down to loyalty membership. Again, these loyalty subscription services are recurring. They're, they're, they're basically marginal revenues without those additional costs. And again, it's the largest retailer specializing now in beauty, skin care, uh, hair care, and of course, fragrances. And I think the scalability they have because they focus on that area of their business versus you know, a Macy's, which has got this huge umbrella of different products is really where you wanna be when it comes down to very specific niche in the marketplace uh, with Ulta. Uh, overall, it looks like they beat the uh, top line sales estimate, came in about 1.9 billion versus the expected 1.64, and that's a that's a pretty significant increase on a year-over-year -year basis. But again, the costs from last year are a little bit uh, challenging to go off of. But what I'm going to go off is the guidance, because if you look at the EPS guidance, OJ, and just uh, you know averaging out or looking at the midpoint, the uh, $9.15 midpoint now is ratcheted up to about a 11.72 on a per share basis for uh, fiscal year 21, and it includes comp sales for the entire year of 21, now somewhere between 23 and 25%, and that's pretty spectacular for this business, which is very, very much uh, in need of foot traffic and that operating leverage, in other words, sales per square foot. Okay.
All right, so George, uh, operating leverage, the key phrase there again, as I've heard you use that many times talking about retailers. Well, not many times, but sometimes, because not every retailer has got that. They raise the outlook. They've got great comp sales. They expect to maintain 23 to 25%. It just looks like a real beauty of a report, uh, uh, you know, on every single uh, line item that you want. Uh, and this one, which is different from Gap, is that Ulta is sitting right at where a little bit higher. It's a little bit above where it was like the day COVID hit the market, but it's still below its pre-COVID high. So this one, it seems still is uh, potentially could be described, you know, as uh, value or, you know, discounted. I mean, I, I don't know. Look, this market is, you know, messed up all those definitions, but it's not double what it was pre-COVID like the gap. Right. Exactly. I mean, I'll speak quickly about that. I think the valuation is balanced for this company because if you look at the consensus price target with about 30 analysts, they've got a 340 on average price rating on the stock. It's trading at three times sales. It's forward PEOJ is really right in line with this historical average around 25 to 27. So I think it's it's fair valued right now. I think that's what we're seeing. And I think you make a great point. It wasn't really extremely sold off, but it also didn't get this huge bounce in, in, in some of these other apparel retailers that some of them in, in fact are up to 300% because again, valuations were not compelling for those names and then the recovery has really accelerated their price action whereas Ulta seemed to have been fairly valued and now again, uh, it's, it's price result uh, after the fact, in other words, discounting seems to be relatively balanced. In other words, you're not gonna get those huge, you know, double digit pushes in a company like Ulta. All right, hey George, last one here, VMware. Uh, always a uh, kind of interesting report given uh, the Dell, uh, you know, business as uh, the core here and uh, strong PC sales. Also kind of connected to some of the themes that have uh, taken root over the past year in the work from home environment. Uh, but the stock has been, uh, you know, kind of an oddity, made highs in uh, April, but has slipped a little bit since. Do you think this report changes anything here? You know, I, I don't think so, OJ. And the reason I say this is, is that I think if you look at VMware's business, it's leading cloud software provider and IT infrastructure. But basically, the whole virtual VMware software allows them to you know, essentially take a, a concentrated network and then disperse it out to multiple uh, devices across, you know, PCs and of course mobile devices on a virtual basis. So it's really sort of in the in the architecture of IT infrastructure and the cloud, sort of in the middle. Companies like Red Hat, which is now owned by IBM, uh, Nutanix, another company that we've talked about is a little bit of a smaller player in this space. But I think what's happening here is, is that there's this uh, debate, and not necessarily debate, but um, shift that's happening with uh, companies deciding on whether they want to stick with private cloud or public cloud. In other words, uh, manage their own database or actually have it served under a public cloud like AWS or Microsoft Azure. Uh, companies like VMware are right in the middle of that. So again, uh, since they're in the middle of that, they're, they're looking at capitalizing on this conversion between public and private clouds that are going on within the enterprise space. But overall, looking at top line sales, uh, you know, coming in, uh, it looks like ahead of expectations, about 13 percent. Mm -hmm. uh, EPS came in around 16 percent to the upside. And looking at its EPS, I'm sorry, top line sales last quarter, about 7 percent, you're seeing that the company's not growing all that much sales wise. And its margins are already very, very rich at 83% gross margins and profit margins at 24%. So it's tough for a company like VMware, OJ, 
to continue to, to grow its stock price because its profitability profile is so rich already, they have to generate more revenue. And, and I think that's one of the key reasons maybe why the stock itself has sort of been stuck uh, in a trading range for, uh, for quite some time. Does uh, Dow letting it run on its own change any of that? Does they still have that 80% stake, but that's going to be spun off at the end of the year. Is, does that change the story at all, or is this still an issue of having to compete with a lot of different companies going after that same uh, software niche that you described? You know, I, I think it, maybe not necessarily the issue with Dell. I don't think the Dell issue is an overhang for the company. I think it really basically operates on its own, OJ, despite the 81% ownership by Dell. I think partnerships make a huge difference here. In other words, AWS, they do have a partnership with AWS, but you also have to think about IBM and Red Hat. They're a mainstay competitor to VMware's um, uh, virtual software. So I think partnerships really make a huge difference for this company uh, in capitalizing now on this, uh, you know, this hybrid cloud system between private and public clouds that many companies, again, for legal reasons or for strategic reasons, are selecting both. And, and again, software that a VMware does provide the marketplace allows a seamless transition between both private and public mm. clouds. But overall, again, it's not a cloud provider, it's, a, it's an architecture software within the cloud ecosystem. So the top line sales of this company aren't expected to be in these you know, high double digits uh, kinds of growth numbers that you expect from a traditional cloud name Companies like Cloudflare, for instance, or even Nutanix, which in and of itself is a smaller player, but a little bit more nimble. All right, so uh, in the aftermarket, a uh, little bit of an edge higher in Dell, a little bit of a slip in VMware, maybe the hardware over software, at least at the moment, and for VMware's uh, growth rate on the top line, not enough compared to what we've seen for top line growth and some of their competitors in the space. So, uh, George, a good, helpful analysis on a, a tricky one. Thanks, GT. Excellent work on the earnings. Okay, OJ.